Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast that explores the tarot through an inclusive, soul-centered, trauma-informed perspective for growth, healing, and evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Hello, loves, and welcome back to the pod. So good to be gathered here with all of you. Thank you so much for being here. We have a lot to get to today. We have a Aries season has begun. I hope everyone's transition into Aries season has been beautiful so far. We are just now letting go of the last threads of the new moon in Aries, which happened right after the first day of Aries season, the spring equinox here in the Northern Hemisphere. In the Southern Hemisphere, of course, that's y'all's fall equinox. And then as of today, Pluto is entering Aquarius. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> so we have, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our card the week ahead and answer a listener question. It's going to be nice. So snuggle on in with something nice to drink, a little tea, and uh, we'll chat about it all. Okay. So because we're in Aries season, a new cycle has officially begun. We move into the calendar year um, you know, 2023 is a chariot year. And for those of you who've sort of heard people talk about that or you haven't, um, we get that because two plus two plus three is seven. And the chariot corresponds to the number seven in the major arcana. And if you want to know more about that, you can um, check out my offering, The Threshold, which is a full hearted reading, a channeled spread of the entire year ahead which so far has been very accurate. <laughs> um, and I actually just touched back into to be like, oh, okay, this is helpful to, <laughs> this is helpful to remember and to think about. So if you're interested, you can definitely check that out on the link in the show notes. Um, but we come, of course, on January 1st, 2023, like into that chariot year. But in my personal opinion, we don't fully fully set our roots down, plant our feet in it until Aries season. Because Aries season is the beginning of a new zodiac spiral. This is really where the year begins. This is really where we get a full-hearted sense of like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? Where are we at? We're fully able to map ourselves inside of that. And we might not have all the answers, but this is when it fully starts to unfold, I believe, is Aries season. And the fact that we moved on, to, like, we moved through the equinox, which, which is an, an absolutely powerful, potent um, portal where we're really called to sense into our balance our equilibrium, our alignment, like if there's anything that's not um, fully making sense, if there's anything that's asking for too much of us, if something's out of balance, like we're going to know about it, especially around an equinox. Right after that, we had a new moon in Aries basically saying we have the opportunity to plant seeds on seeds right now. Aries season is the ultimate seed planting time, energetically, of course. Even if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, this idea is the same. Fall is a profound rebirth in the same breath and in the same way that spring is a rebirth. We're just experiencing the inverse of it. 
death cannot be separate from birth and birth cannot be separate from death. And in Aries season, whether experienced in the Southern Hemisphere, the Northern Hemisphere, we are really clearing off a big mantle, um, whether we're reaching up as little seedlings toward the sun or we're cooling down and slowing down, there's still a lot of energy and there's still a lot of planting of intention that goes into something like that. So I share that just to say, like, even with the moon, we had an opportunity to truly set a new intention for ourselves around, like, we don't even need to know what we want. We can just, we can have a sense of how we'd like to feel, what we'd like less of, what we'd like more of, um, what we'd like more spaciousness to do, you know, and it's a beautiful time to still be working with the spirit of that. And then today Pluto enters Aquarius. So Pluto's only going to be in Aquarius for a couple of months. Basically the whole kind of spring season of the year here in the Northern Hemisphere, it moves back into Capricorn for a little bit in early summer. And then after a couple of months goes fully into Aquarius. So we're getting really nice kind of preview <laughs> of like what this will be. Pluto is about excavation and transformation, and it's a generational planet because it stays in a sign for nearly 30 years. So with Pluto entering Aquarius, there's so much going on with that, and we will have yet to sort of see. What we do know is that historically, Pluto and Aquarius transits have been about revolution. It's been about moving away from the top-down hierarchy power structures that have developed that are um, so completely um, toxic and harmful and are moving into way more of a, of a spiral sense of community care and way more humanitarian efforts, way more about people rather than profits, right? On a whole. But Pluto excavates stuff within that space, right? So in Pluto and Capricorn, there's been a tremendous amount of corporate greed and systems of oppression. and But those have always been there. What Pluto and Capricorn really did is it woke up so many people to it. We know these things at the end of Pluto and Capricorn are completely choking everyone, and we can't live this way. We know all of it's broken, and we might not see the vision. Some might, but we might not see the vision of how to go about changing them. Pluto in Aquarius is about changing that, and there's a lot more to it. There, there are definite like underworld sides of this energy, right? We want to be really careful not to be um, too kind of in the weeds of what other people are doing. We want to have our eyes on our own paper. Um, we want to really take and make sure to ground and to, to train our eyes on something. There's a lot of changeability with um, Aquarius and a lot of, obviously it's a fixed air energy. But this time is about revolution. It is. It's about complete overhaul to these systems and about changes from like top down to side to side, way more um, beneficial, way, way more of a mutual aid, um, bring everyone with us, lift all folks 
energy, which is beautiful. And we're really going to see and get a taste for what this feels like in the next three months to kind of sense into and prepare. We've had a little taste of it before, um, but this will uh, hopefully bring about, um, again, some nice clarity to allow us to get a sense of like what this feels like and how to personally work with it. I pulled a card for all of us around um, an anchor that can help us to really lean into as a collective and work with Pluto in Aquarius. And I got four of wands, which is amazing because four of wands is in the, it's one of the big cards in Spiralic Tarot, the the spring edition of that. And um I like could not believe that. And I assure you, like I'm shuffling my deck really well. <laughs> so like, I promise you, like, it's not an accident. Um, I loved that it came up here. So what that basically means is that inside of all this heavy, heavy duty stuff that we're all grappling with, we're all facing, we're all working through, there has to be a willingness to play. There has to be, there has to be some way to, put down our pen, put down our computers, put down the thing and go and have fun. Just some good old fashioned fun. Um, not as a means of escape. Although, I mean, there's something to be said for that, honestly, in a healthy way that not to kind of be avoidant, but to come closer to who we are. We are revitalized by laughter. We are revitalized by like a, a stolen day. We are revitalized by that. We can't have just all, all grind, right? And I know and respect that there are some people who are working their asses off, um, trying to make sense of things, make ends meet out there. Completely understand that. And even inside of that, I encourage you, like four of wands basically says that like we can't we can't be in the emperor. This card is also connected to emperor because it's a four and emperor is corresponded to the number four in the tarot, major arcana based on the golden dawn ordering of the cards. So when we look at that, we think to ourselves like, how can we see the emperor as an expression of where we're being invited to go this airy season? And what can four of wands do to support us in that. Now, when we map it to Pluto and Aquarius, when we map it to this idea of like judgment and the star are coming up and forward together, as judgment corresponds to Pluto, the star corresponds to Aquarius, what we have with that is an awareness and an awakening around the way we heal, around all manner of things related to our healing as a collective, the idea that we are rugged individuals that are not a part of this ecosystem together has been one of the most detrimental um, misbeliefs that I think have has driven so much sense of separation and remembering like it is impossible without, of course, I'm acknowledging differences of class and of privilege and of skin color, absolutely in terms of systemic oppression and various um, aspects related to that. But the fact that we don't think like, oh, this thing happening over here doesn't affect me because I'm over here, it does. It does. It's impossible for us to not, like remembering 
it's impossible not to be feeling what's happening to our planet. Like we are in the midst of a climate crisis. The climate will not be the same in 50 years or less than it is now than it was. And we all know that we're all grappling with that. Like it's a, it's a unimaginable, right? Even if we have the facts and understanding, it's unimaginable what that feels like. And so all of that, I believe, is Pluto and Aquarius. And with Aquarius energy, it's going to be really important with all of that air, with all of that, like with all of that, with all the communication, with all of the expression that comes with Aquarius. It's so beautiful. It's going to be important to just fucking put our devices down and like go be like outside and not to call me like, you know, could be sounding like old fashioned or whatever, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, like it's worth it sometimes to be old fashioned and to just take a pause and come back to self. So I hope that's valuable. I mean, I am so curious about this transit. Obviously we've dipped into this transit a bit. Um, we dipped into it last year and I'm, I'm curious, you know, I'll look, I'll look forward to question mark (laughs) to like how, how it'll be and how it'll feel. Um, incredibly our anchor card for the week is death. Um, again, that was randomly pulled. So it's not like I planned that or set about deciding it. It came forward for obvious reasons. This pull is profoundly, um, prescient. It's very of the moment, very of the time. It also is connected to our card that we pulled for last year, for last week, rather which was eight of cups. And we talked last week about how eight of cups is really understanding what we've been doing isn't serving and we have to try something different. And whether that means pulling everything down or pulling a piece of it down, um, it usually means that we're in a period and a process of transformation, moving from one state of being to the next. With death, this is a different energy. So it, it, marries to the same themes, but the way that we feel it is different. And this is a beautiful time to talk about like, what's the difference between the majors and the minors, right? I talk about this in Soul Tarot 101. With the majors, the energies are so big that they're, um, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm sure there is a better phrase, they're like act of God energies. If we think about a hurricane, if we think about an ocean wave, if we think about the wind, we're not making that happen. We are responding to it. And responding might be a more um, helpful way <laughs> of, of looking at it rather than surrendering. But I do think surrender is important because There are some of these cards in the majors, whether they're like cute cards, quote unquote, and y'all know I don't subscribe to any card being good, bad, or otherwise. Um, But there is like an over-cultural narrative about these cards that I think we have to keep in mind, even if I am committed to dismantling that personally, that um, 
And in other words, some of us may love the devil. Some of us may really have a tough time in the devil. Some of us might love the moon. Some of us may struggle deeply in the moon. It's to say that those over-cultural narratives, while they loom large, should not deter us from paying attention to sort of where we, where our experiences live. So when I speak about the majors, what I'm saying is that sometimes it does feel like surrender because we don't want to do it. We don't want to go through those energies. Um, The ego, the mind fights it tooth and nail for any number of really valid reasons, to be honest with you. And sometimes it is more of a response because um, maybe the breeze is blowing really sweetly and maybe the wave feels perfect and we ride it right into shore and it's all clicking along. And then other times it's like hell, you know? So we were, we surrender to the majors because we can't make them happen. They come for us and we respond to that through an act of saying, okay, move me. Okay. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll try my best, you know, to do this without resistance. Um, I'll consider the fact that you're here for me and not to me, even though sometimes it's really, really hard. Um, With the minors, we are, as I teach, collaborating with them. So when we pulled Eight of Cups last week, we're being invited to collaborate with that. Most likely there was something last week that showed up for you as an invitation to be like, okay, this is not working. It might be really big and really intense to grapple with, but it's not. And I'm being invited to sort of say goodbye to these cups as I've known them because really they're not what I actually want. So like, what does that look like? Death, when it shows up, is a clearing and a completion that we are invited to surrender to and show us what it wants us to clear, right? So in many ways, collectively, we are feeling this because Aries is massive birth energy. We cannot birth without death. When we birth as people, the former self that we've left behind that had to die in order for that rebirth to happen, we grieve that, whether we're aware of it or not. Even if we're like, see ya, <laughs> like there's still a letting go process that's huge, right? Birth takes work. Birth is work. Birth is challenging. It is hard to crack open from that seed and reach through that soil and, um, it's treacherous. It's a, it's a journey completely in the unknown, right? To reach, reach, reach for the sun like that. If we're in the fall and experiencing airy season, like if you're in an autumnal climate, to move from warm to cool, to let all of that move out of the leaves, to slowly let the leaves fall, it's tremendous. It takes a lot of work, right? And Whether we're in the Northern Hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere, there is death with birth energy. It doesn't matter where we are. So there is no better time to understand or to work with the death card than this moment. Because while death is ruled by Scorpio, death has tremendous root systems in the energy of Aries. Tremendous. So with all of that being said, We're already feeling this card. It's already here. For us this week, 
in terms of like building on this and working with this, I'll I'll provide my teaching for death, even though y'all have probably heard it 8,000 times. But for those of you who haven't, and even if you have, um, I hope it, you know, bears out to be useful. So with death, how I've always taught this card is that each of us has a garden, right? That we're called to, um, the garden of the heart, the garden of the longing, the garden of desire, like it's a special place that's ours, you know? And there are times when we, all of our focus is on our peach trees, tending to those. It's all about the peaches for one reason or another. But what we kind of really want is to be working with our foxgloves, working with our flowers, working with our cut flowers, or it might be that we really want to work in our vegetable patch. And it might be because we are so busy working with our peach trees that there's been kind of an overrun of weeds that, while weeds are absolutely beautiful medicine, just might not be welcome, right? So while I do not in any way advocate, unless you really have a reason to, for like uprooting a peach tree or uprooting, you know, or, or completely changing, like if you've only done cut flowers in your garden and now you really want to completely renovate that and rewild the garden and have it be only wildflowers and like a vegetable patch, we're not saying that the cut flowers or the peach trees or the weeds are bad. We're not saying that they're wrong. We're not saying that they didn't serve a phenomenally important purpose. This week is an invitation back into the garden to look and pay attention to follow death into the garden and to observe what it's trying to invite us to pay attention to what it is pointing us toward, what we need to be with, what we need to face, what we need to understand, even if we're not totally ready to metaphorically or symbolically uproot whatever that thing is, we are still being invited to face that something has served its purpose. And right now, what really wants to happen is that whatever this metaphorical thing is in our garden that is just not feeding us anymore, like we are, we are longing for something different, to in whatever way feels most responsible to you, whatever way feels most aligned, whatever is appropriate, to gently and with great care and respect and gratitude uproot that, clear the soil, and place what you've uprooted on the compost pile. Again, this is all symbolic, <laughs> you know, of course. Um, this is very important work because it helps to reframe what we might have been told about the death card, which is that it's a harbinger of, of death and misfortune and of loss, and it's so terrible. Is the death card sometimes challenging? Sure, totally. You know, it's it's an ego death. It's a loss. You know, it's a transformation. And, and whenever we have that, the ego, the brain kicks up and is like, 
hell no. Like, no, it's like, I want to protect you. I don't want change to be happening here. Not at all. So we can hold that truth of the fact that it's hard while still understanding that nothing, nothing is lost with this card. There is no losing with this card. When we look out our window, are we going to see a different garden? Yeah. Will that bring up a lot of shit? Probably. Might it bring up regret? Might it bring up feelings of I shouldn't have done that? Might it bring up things like, why the fuck did I uproot that thing? It was kind of working even though I hated it. Who even knows if this next thing I'm planting will be any good? Like, why? Why did I leave that relationship? Why did I uproot that thing? All of that is a part of the initiatory process of death. The regret, the worry, the fear, the anger, literally the stages of grief, denial, and everything that comes along with it. It is a transformative process. For one reason or another, whether we're aware of it or not, we are complete with something. And it is ready. It is ready to move on and to take a new shape. Nothing dies in this card. It becomes sacred fertilizer that allows the new things to grow. That doesn't mean that regret doesn't happen. It doesn't mean doubt doesn't occur. It's letting us know that the thing itself is ready. That it is ready. Which means that in one way or another, we are too. So however this lands with you, whatever is coming up around your death card experience, I encourage you, if this tracks and aligns with you, to treat it as a kind of a journeying process, to almost follow death, to let it show you you don't have to be afraid. It doesn't mean that anyone that you love, you're going to lose, and God forbid, should that happen, it's not because death showed up in the reading. I promise you that. It isn't. This is a symbolic death. This is a different kind of a process. I I absolutely respect readers and folks who are like, death is also about human death. I just don't personally experience it that way. But if that is a part of your medicine, and of course I respect that, it doesn't mean I think you're wrong or that anyone else is wrong. It's It's just not my experience. But we're allowed to have two different experiences. That's part of the deal. So I encourage you to follow it, to walk with it, to, to, to um, travel with it, to listen to it, to really let it show you, to really let it show you. The fact that death energy is coming in Aries season, while completely oppositional perhaps, makes all the sense in the world to me. We cannot birth without death. We cannot plant new seeds, which is what this time is so completely about, without being really aware, really aware of what's got to go to make room. So this week is a time of space making, of road opening, of clearing, of literally brushing away what does not serve, of 
of completely clearing and tilling and turning over that rich soil of the garden of our heart. That is what we want to keep in the heart mind this entire week as we pay attention to the invitations that come through and sort of sit in the cauldron of Aries season and Pluto and Aquarius and like, like, what does this feel like? Does this bring more clarity, less, you know, where are we here? Um, honestly, now that we're out of the last degrees of Pluto, um, it's kind of great and welcome, even though Pluto and Aquarius moving into a different stage brings up its own stuff. But yeah, that's, that is in a nutshell, what we're being invited to pay closest attention to this week. We're working with death. Last thing that I want to say about all of this is that I pulled an anchor card for us around like, how can we really work with death? Like, is there an anchor inside of this that can really help us? And I pulled three of swords. So again, not a card to have any kind of like backup against. Three of swords is an invitation and an and a honestly like a heart opening bomb that's available to us in any moment. We don't need to pull it to be working with it. Like it's it's always present. If you've experienced being triggered, activated by something even very light or the memory of something and you try to sort of blame or self-blame and spin your way out of it and you just need to feel the feelings that actually can help to inform your your next action. That's what three of swords is here to do. It's here to move us from the head into the heart so that we can feel the feelings of like, this just hurts. It's just hard. It's like, you know, I don't know what to do right now. It, it just sucks. And I need to feel the suckiness, you know, that doesn't mean that this week is going to be sucky. It means that inside of all of the stuff that death brings up and oh my God, does it bring up all the things, um, that the best way we can work with it is by continuing to come home to the heart, talking to our inner kid, talking to ourselves with as much compassion as we can muster, taking care, taking care, taking exquisite care. When big feelings come up, when worries and fears come up, can you be with them, noticing the clouds pass by rather than identify, right? Rather than immediately rushing to take action, can we pause, let the feelings pass, let them bubble up, and then make our way with them, right? That's that's what this whole time is about. And that's what I think Three of Swords can help us to do, Um because it's very easy to get into our head with an energy like death. So I hope that this serves. And now we're going to move on to our listener question of the week. So our listener question this week is from Beth. And Beth asks, I am in a particularly busy season of life. And I know that the pace I'm currently moving in is unsustainable. I keep drawing 10 of wands for daily pulls, as part of larger spreads. And every time I do, it's difficult to know how to take it or what actions to take in response. Yes, I know I'm doing too much, but I've tried paring down in the places I could see to do so. In other places, I'm carrying a lot, but also feel like I'm building toward a better future for myself. And this season is necessary to lay the groundwork for expansion in other ways. So my question is, 
What do we do when we don't, when we really don't see a way to reasonably accept the invitation we're being offered? When we've taken on too much, but also feel like it's toward a larger end and for a limited amount of time, and we have a lot of competing responsibilities. I'm a mother to a young child that we can't outsource. How do we find a way to lay a wand down? I almost always pull this card in conjunction to awakening or judgment. I'm wondering if you might have some insight about that as well. Oh, what a brilliant question. I'm honored to try to think through this with you. Okay. So I want to just say, first of all, that 10 of wands doesn't always mean, at least not in my experience, it doesn't always mean put a wand down. What I think it does indicate is that we might be at a point or at a place where it will be very important to lay all 10 wands down and just make sure that A, all of them are still necessary and important to be holding in this season of our lives. But I think the most important thing is if we must carry all 10, are we carrying them in the most useful way we can? So for example, with your young kiddo, um, like, are there aspects of care for yourself that can be built in right now? Um, and if not, I get it (laughs) like all too well. Um, but like, you know, do certain things make sense after they go to sleep? Do certain things make sense during nap times is, you know, can one thing be moved in place of like another thing being like, is there any way, and maybe the answer is no, is there any way to make it even slightly 10%, 5% more easeful? Like, is there anything inside of that that could be woven in, you know, as, as a response to that? Because I don't think 10 of wands, like, first of all, I just really want to bow to and honor what you're saying, because I think that kind of thing is not, um, I think that there absolutely are times and seasons in all of our lives where they're just more full. We're like balancing school and motherhood or parenthood and a full-time job, or we're um, like, we're striking while the iron's hot. We know we're in a very important time of like, building, uh, you know, and we really don't have the time to do it all, but there are times in life when seasons converge. And just as you're saying, you're building on something that will hopefully benefit y'all for, and I want to just not just normalize that, but actually congratulate you because I think that there's a difference between that and us burning ourselves ragged when we know like like it, it, there's just not as much yield, you know? Um, my partner, Chase, and I always talk about how, and again, this is, uh, we're speaking from our experience. We're not attempting to, um, like I would never speak on behalf of another parent's experience, but when things feel really hard and difficult to manage with being uh, two work from home parents with a kiddo and no childcare at this moment, um, there are times where, one of us will say like, this is so hard and usually actually very lovely, (laughs) but there are moments when it's really tough to navigate and juggle. 
And the two of us will say, like, it's very temporary because before we know it, she'll be in school. Before we know it, she'll have her own thing going on. Like, before we know it, like, there's a lot more years still that, we're, you know, where we're top of mind. So I, I, it goes by really quickly and these seasons are, um, yeah. So I just want to say, like, I don't think 10 of wands is necessarily telling you to drop a wand. What it might be doing is inviting you to consider if it might be helpful if you have some of those wands like in a special backpack and maybe a couple slung over your shoulder rather than trying to all carry them like in your arms. Like, is there a different way to navigate what you're trying to do? Um, I am always asking myself that question down to like, okay, this kind of work works best here and that kind of work works best here. And honestly, um, it sometimes is very ungraceful, but I pull 10 of ones for myself a lot. There's literally just like nothing I can do about it. Like I just have a lot of things on my plate right now. And I also know it won't always be like that. So when that card comes up, I try to look at it as like, okay, like maybe I could like move one wand to the back for a second, or maybe there is a way for me to get a little support with this wand. Let me like, let me ask, you know? Um, and I hear you, like if you, if you can't, then you can't, but it might just be an invitation to reconfigure the wands. Um, okay. Awakening slash judgment. We're just talking about that with Pluto. Um, it's so funny. I pick these and they're just so right for the moment that I'm reading them in these questions. So, um, again, thank you. Um, so I think that judgment could be coming up for you in a lot of different ways. Like one way that we could look at it is definitely your treatment of it, which is true in many ways. Like, you know, you're taking on too much. You're getting messages that this is too much and judgment pops up to tell you you're, you're being invited to really see this here, right? What I feel like it could also be is again, okay, this is a lot. This is a very busy season and you are taking care in the best way you can of all the things that you love. And what might be coming up for you related to judgment around you seeing, I'm not reading on you, I don't know, but maybe it's a question of like, there are certain things that you can outsource right now. There are certain things that you could ask for more help on. Maybe it's a question of um, giving yourself a break or like, who knows, but I do think that it is possible that these two cards are coming up in conjunction with each other to be like, this just really is something, like something has to give here. But because of what you're saying and because I understand your situation very acutely, I know that most likely it's an invitation to rethink the way you're holding the wands and see what comes up for you around that. And it might be possible that you're hearing me say this and be like, what the fuck? Like, it's not very helpful at all. Like rethink the way I'm holding the wands. Like, 
whatever. Um, but really, I, it, it could just be that it's a matter of like shifting the schedule or whatever it is. Sometimes, and I'm going to take it completely out of the realm that I've been sort of talking about. Sometimes it is a matter of just placing our hand on our hearts and saying, this is a lot, it's too much. And this is what's here right now. And it won't always be like this. And I know you're exhausted and I know that you're burned out or not burned out if you're not burned out, but like, I see you. And I honestly don't really have the time <laughs> to like be here for all of the things, but I want to let you know that I will at some point and that I'm still here. I'm still here, right? So those moments of maybe just even acknowledging what's present could be a way to sort of unlock these two. Um, I'd love to hear more about this for you. Um, I'd love to hear how this lands. I'd love to, with your permission, like pull a qualifier. Um, I'll wait till I get your permission to do that, but you, you let me know. Cause I'd love to pull a clarifier for these things and just sort of see, um, is there anything else we can glean from this? Um, but yeah, you're doing great. Not that you need me to say it to you, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, and solidarity on the juggling too many things club. Um, so yeah, thank you so much again, Beth, for trusting me with this question. And thank you everyone for listening. I am so excited to dive into our April monthly medicine next week. Holy shit. Like how, how? It's the fastest year of my life. I don't even know how this is happening. Um, we'll dive in. It's my birthday month. It's going to be great. Um, and until we meet again, until we connect again, please take exquisite, gentle, loving care of yourselves. 